I'm Stephen Downey and this is episode 24 of the Mindful Living Guide. This week I talk about a subject which uh, can trigger a lot of people and that is uh, death by suicide. And uh, I just have to warn you uh, before you listen to this episode that we will be talking about the effects that has had on uh, our guests and, and her family. So if you are sensitive to that subject, uh, I would advise uh, not to listen. The reason I wanted to talk about this weekend especially is because it's the weekend of Darkness into Light. And Darkness into Light, for people that don't know, is a charity event for Pieta House in Ireland. And it's about raising awareness uh, about suicide and those effects about it. But more importantly, it helps to start conversations. It helps to get people talking about things they mightn't feel comfortable talking about. And hopefully, hopefully, our conversation today might be able to help somebody out there who's struggling to share how they feel. So please sit back and listen to this week's very powerful episode of The Mindful Living Guide. Have you ever met someone for the first ever time in your life, but you felt like you knew them all your life? I had that same connection when I first met our uh, guest today, uh, Jennifer Maher. We met on a video challenge in a fantastic group called We Can We Will. Jennifer is a coach, trainer, co-author, and she helps ambitious women stuck in their corporate careers to find more happiness, meaning and fulfillment for their ho- uh, from work using whole system integration coaching. But not only that, Jennifer has, and I should actually say Jen because we're, we're good friends, but <laughs> she has the most amazing, amazing backstory. And as you'll see from our conversation, she is a strength that some of us can only dream of. Jennifer Maher, you are so welcome to the Mindful Living Guide. Oh, Stephen, I don't know <laughs> what to say after that intro. Thank you. Thank you so much, my friend. And I, I really meant it. I think, um, and we talked about this openly, actually, after we first met, after that uh, video challenge on We Can, We Will, that there was just this um, this way we were both drawn together and uh, true un- unfortunate uh, circumstances that we've both been through. And I'll touch on that over the conversation, but let's go back to to you. Let's go back to... You're like you're, you're now have, have this career as a coach and all that, but you weren't always a coach. You were a city slicker in corporate world. Take me back there. Oh, gosh, take take. I'll take you back. Um, and I look back through the rose tinted tinted uh, windows. Um, so, yeah, I worked for predominantly the first 20 years of my work and life, literally straight in the door at 18 and a half. Um, I started in a bank. And um, even talking about it now, it feels like a different life, a completely different life. So I worked, um, as I say, for 20 years. I moved all the way around the organization in lots of different capacities, um, up, across, um, sideward moves. Um, I managed um, many teams. I was in leadership roles, um, which I suppose really nurtured that love I have for helping people and working with real human potential and helping people be 
the best that they can be. You know, I would love when somebody on my team would come to me and say, I've seen this job, this internal role. Would you help me? Would you get help me get ready for the interview? And um, that would really buzz me up, actually. Um, and I moved around the organization. I worked, I actually worked a little bit uh, reporting directly into the UK. So I made many, many friends uh, across in the parent company as well. Uh, some of them are still my lifelong friends. And um, yeah, it was a different time, but it was a very different kind of work to what I do now and how I operate and how I show up in the world. So, um, was there a um, was there a moment when you said, right, that's it. I have to change. I have to do something different or what did it was it a gradual shift to what you do now? I think looking back and it's all, it's great as in hindsight. Wonderful. Um, we look back and say, oh, yeah, God, how did I not see that then? Um, I worked in many um, on many kind of very high end like organizational shifts where you know integration projects massive change um where you'd really need to bring the human side of it you know people were getting burnt out because of the um the pace of change and when I look back um you know I kind of go how did I not see that how did I not leave then because it was really hard really difficult but I suppose looking back now I'm so grateful because that's where your strength is built up and you you know you might have the war wounds from certain projects but they serve you then for the next level up I suppose to answer your question um the change where I kind of really went okay I this is just not working for me now and I actually talk about this in workshops that I run I can remember um, I was a few months uh, pregnant on my second child, my, my daughter. Um, it wasn't my second pregnancy. Um, and nobody knew I was pregnant, only me and my husband, obviously. And I remember I was working as a business manager, um, supporting a very uh, senior person in the organization. And I remember pulling in on the forecourt of the garage. I hadn't had my dinner um and I remember pulling in uh, literally on fumes um on the car the light was had been on for about 10 miles before I got to the garage and um I remember pulling in onto the forecourt and looking at my phone and it was like 9 45 and just thinking I've missed bedtime with my son I've um you know literally the car being on fumes was uh, such a, a metaphor for me um, and I just kind of thought, you need to cop on here now. You cannot sustain this. Um, because just in the summer before that, I had experienced a miscarriage. So I needed to be minding myself in that pregnancy now. And I remember thinking, nobody's asked you to do this. You've done this of your own accord. And it was like a light bulb kind of going, this something needs to change here because you're going to have two kids now. And, you know, what kind of an example will that be setting? Um, that mommy's going to burn herself out. Yeah. And I think you learned, we, we spoke previously about, um, we alluded to there, but the, the miscarriage the, the year before, and there was a lot of lessons learned from that, uh, you were saying. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Um, yeah, I experienced a miscarriage in 2015. And, you know, really, I, uh, I've, I've experienced quite a lot of, um, resilience building opportunities in life um 
but I was 35 and I, I always had this thing at 35, you're going to have the midlife crisis. And uh, so I was like, oh, you're typical that, you know, but, but when, I, when I had the miscarriage, honestly, I think it was the biggest adversity that had hit me ever. Because um, everything had kind of been very plain sailing for me. I mean, I'm not saying life was easy. Yes, I was challenged in my 20s, like, you know, and finding my way in the world. But um, the miscarriage was a, a big curveball for me I didn't see coming I just thought yeah that'll be fine everything will be you know smooth then it will go um and we were 11 weeks pregnant and we went for our first scan and to be told there's no baby so um do you know so there's lots of there's lots of kind of the experience of that and I could see myself going down a very very dark hole in the time waiting for nature to take its course after getting that news and um, I remember feeling like, you know, is th are things ever going to get better now? Like, are things ever going to be the same? Uh, like, I remember just really going very much inside and, and you know, internalizing it and feeling like this is my fault. Um, but I do remember a, sh a distinct shift um, because nature didn't take its course and I had to go in and have a little procedure to to help um, end the pregnancy. And I remember just lying on the table and the anaesthetist asking me, what was my blood type? And I remember him saying, you have the best blood type, you have B positive. And I, it was just like a, a, a click, it looks like wow. a switch kind of going, do you know, remember who you are, remember what you're made of, remember you can do this and you have the power now to choose what you're gonna do next. So you can either go down the dark hole or you can make make changes that are going to improve. So I think that was that was the catalyst. Yeah. It's and such then, a, a powerful time, though, to realize that as well, that, um, like you said, your your mindset could go either way. But that just that simple thing about saying, well, my blood, my blood is B positive. I've got positivity flowing inside me. And uh it's it's an amazing realization to get at such a such a, a dark and, and hard time, and then fortunately um, things changed, and and your daughter came along the the following year. And were you, were you living in in Wexford then at at this point, or no? I live in Wicklow. So oh, Wicklow. Sorry, beg your pardon. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're a grand, grand. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, sorry, so, Wicklow. No, sorry, Anna Carroll, if you remember. <laughs> No, you're grand, you're grand. People mix them up all the time. Yeah, so um, I moved out of Dublin in 2007. Um, don't do things by halves. We built a house. Um, so within a year, we'd built a house and got married. And I'd moved um, 50 miles away from my family. So, uh, yeah. And... Um... <laughs> One of the reasons I, I, I wanted to talk uh, about Wicklow and obviously not Wexford, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but because you've been doing um, a lot of fundraising this weekend for uh, a very uh, important cause uh, for a cause called Talk to Tom, uh, who which specialises in uh, people uh, affected by um, by suicide. And unfortunately, your husband, Brian, has lost two brothers uh, quite suddenly in the last few years. Can you... Take me back to Sean and what happened to Sean. Yeah, so um, and absolutely, I'm I'm comfortable, and we have had a a very emotionally charged weekend uh, fundraising for a much needed um, new service in Arklow here in Wicklow um, for Talk to Tom. Um, so, 
And I'm very, very mindful, Stephen, as well, that this is my perspective, okay? So this is my perspective of seeing um, my loved one experience the effects and the devastation. Sean was not my brother. He was my husband's brother. So my perspective is seeing um, a sibling bereaved. Um, so it was, I was on maternity leave with, with Mary Kate, the best teacher and, uh, of life that ever came into, into my life. And uh, feeling like, you know, after the year we'd had that, you know, things were getting back on track. And, you know, when, you know, when you make plans, God laughs, as they say. So it was a Sunday, uh, just like any other Sunday. My son had a birthday party. Um, I brought him down to it and we planned to get dinner then when, when we got back. Uh, Mary Kate was only a tiny, she was only seven months. And um, we got a phone call um, from my brother-in-law's partner's father to say, were we at home? Um, could we come up? Could he come up? Um, and news had broken that Sean had been killed in a car accident. Um, yeah, he left a partner and um, two four-year-old twins behind. So, um, and I can just remember that night of just complete hopelessness as I looked at Brian and thought, how are we ever going to rebuild from this? How are we ever going to move on from this? I remember and, um, um, I, I look yeah. back over um, previous conversation we had, actually, it was after you looked at my TEDx talk, and that was one thing that you actually said that you just wondered how you could find the strength to get through this. And, and you have found that strength. Um, you have found that strength uh, inside yourself. Um, sorry, I've, I've interrupted your, your flow of conversation, but I just, I just think it's so beautiful. Yeah, and um, I do remember feeling um, a responsibility that I had to keep the show on the road with two small kids. Yeah. But then I remember digging deep into my own resources of positivity and thinking, I remember saying to Brian, even, you know, um, a few a few days after, you know, we have two small kids. There's no way that we will never have joy in our life again. We're never going to have celebration again. We're never going to have a reason to smile again. We're never not going to be happy. We're not going to stay in this state. This is temporary and this will move and Yes, it's going to be a challenge. Yes, it's going to feel really, really hard and there's going to be difficult times. But we have two small children and we have lots of love in our home. Um, we have lots of reasons to look forward with optimism. And that strength has, has driven you through for, for many years um, and that optimism and I have to say you are one of the most positive people I, I have ever met you, uh, you've got an infectious smile that uh, anytime someone sees you they always, they're always in a, in a great mood around you and you're, you're an amazing person to, to be around but that positivity if we go, move on to that um, to last year wasn't it that it's December, um, December just that you got the tragic news again that 
not only someone close to you, but yet another brother of Brian's uh, column had uh, had passed away as well. And yeah. how how did it? I know it's a, it's a weird kind of question, but how did it feel at that point um, after rebuilding your strength for so long to be hit so hard again? Yeah, and. <clears throat> You know, people say that to me all the time. You're so strong. Um, but I look at people around me. I look at, um, you know, Sean's partner and her resilience, her grit, her determination to just stand up on her two feet to be able to have moved on and, and, and live her life and make a, an amazing life for her and her two boys. Um, that has certainly been a driving force for me um, for the inspiration that I've drawn on. Um, and yes, when we, when the news, the tragic news, and it is, it is still quite raw. Um, it's still, you know, what the first year was like. We just had Colm's first birthday last Thursday. And again, Stephen, I want to be very, very clear because everybody's at a different perspective. You know, Colm had, you know, a mother, a sister, a brother, and everybody sees that from a very different perspective. My perspective is seeing Brian's grief and Brian's loss of two brothers. And that's a different dynamic. I don't know what he's feeling, but I know my perspective of seeing his reaction and the strength that he draws. And he, you know, his coping strategy is to put the, the work boots on and one foot in front of the other. Um, and there's huge strength in that. So when people say you're so strong, I feed off his strength too. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's I think that's the invisible pandemic in Ireland that nobody's really, really wants to go there. Suicide is still a little bit of a taboo um, for so many people. There's so much shame. There's so much, you know, there's so many emotions that come when you're bereaved by suicide, um, there's anger, there's real anger, there's anger, you know, all the whys, all the if onlys, all the why didn't I, how did I not see that coming? And at the end of the day, the person has made a choice for them that they feel is the best choice. for, them. And that's the only way I can make peace with it, that they've made the best choice that they felt. It wasn't that they I believe it wasn't that they didn't want to live. Or I believe it wasn't that they wanted to die. It was that they just didn't feel that life was for them. Um, and that's the only way that I can kind of make peace with it and forgiveness. And, you know, forgiveness is not for the other person. It's for us so that we can, you know, harness some strength and and move forward. And to, let, to just to try and let go of some of that energy and some of those what ifs, because um it is those what ifs and those if onlys that um, that can haunt us for a long time. That we we have those conversations over and over again. If um, if only this happened or if only that happened, and unfortunately, it's not going it's not going to to change the outcome or or the strength. And uh, one of the the main reasons I, I really wanted to talk to you about this um, in in this week as well is because we're coming up to um, this weekend with darkness into light. A lot of people are are going to be talking about. And the effects that uh, the suicide has on their family, this, and effects, and and hopefully, what I really hope, if just one person out there is um, is listening to this and 
they're wondering whether there is hope in talking. I think there is. And I think having you here to have this conversation. So can we talk about this amazing charity that that you've been working so hard all weekend? There was a 24 hour walk um, to, to raise money for Talk to Tom. So can you tell me about Talk to Tom and the difference it makes? Yeah, absolutely. So and um, again, I feel only just a small part because, you know, community is so important to me. So anything that's going to rally people together, I'm going to be all over it. And I was thrilled um, a few months ago, a lady uh, called Orla Tyrrell um, from a little um, village. Well, I don't even, <laughs> I better not offend anybody, but um, Valley Manus, uh, they're, they're famous for their, their GAA. And I don't claim to be any kind of a GAA expert either. Um, but Valley Manus did a step-by-step challenge last year. And Orla, whose family have also been affected by suicide, um, tapped me on the shoulder and said, Jen, would you like to get on board? Um, so I got involved with our local club here um, and talked to Tom, our, a, a growing suicide prevention and awareness charity uh, based in Wexford. And they, um, they help families that are bereaved by suicide. They help people that are really challenged by life and that need to talk to somebody. And... Um, so, yeah, so there's been a 24 hour challenge this weekend um, raising funds. And we've just just before I came, we came on here this morning. I just see that we're nearly at 22,000 raised wow. over the weekend. Um, but Orla just is a, a powerhouse. I mean, she managed to rally up 20, I think it was 24 clubs altogether right across the county. Um, and and you know what? It, it's not that it was about the funds. It was actually you know, a lady said to me last night, well, if nothing else, talk to Tom are out there now because it was everywhere the whole weekend. It was what people were talking about. So it's just shone such a light on the charity and what they do and the supports that are that are there and available for people. And I suppose the more we talk about it, the more we're going to, you know, it does not going to be the t- taboo around mental health. There's not going to be the taboo around suicide. Um and, you know, that can only be a good thing, especially when so many people after the year that we've had and coming out of probably the toughest lockdown so far. Um, that's, you know, we need to be talking. We need to know people have the safety supports around them to get help. Um, and as I put in a post last night on Facebook, please just share if you're struggling emotionally or mentally, you know, talk, yeah. just 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 find a gl- like just a, all it takes is a little bit of courage just to share a problem because I can guarantee that person would much rather hear your problem than sit in, and listen to your eulogy and trust me I've sat now listening to the eulogy of two young men who are gone before their time um That's such a powerful powerful thing to, to hear and I actually had a quote from from your post last night because I thought it was so powerful uh just to read it out and I'll just I have to I have to I know you you kind of summarized most of it but it's I've now witnessed the heartache a suicide bereavement brings to a family member who is left behind it leaves more questions than there are answers it makes no sense and creates too many if onlys if you are challenged right now emotionally or mentally please reach out to someone i can promise that 
they would much rather listen to your problems than listen to your eulogy. And it's such a powerful, powerful thing to say because it's so true that there is people out there that feel like there's no one they can talk to, but there is many, many strangers out there that will listen. And charities like Pieta House, like Talk to Tom, are out there specifically just to help you and to help you talk. And like you said, there's so many people that have been affected over the last year and just by the loneliness of not having the interaction to to kind of to share and to, to openly talk and to, to start those conversations. So that's why I love the fact that there was such a community around um, Step by Step last weekend and that it got everyone just talking openly and just saying like, this, this is okay, you can just talk. And I think that is the, the one thing with a lot of mental health issues that um, I know from my own experience when, when it comes out of nowhere and uh, you think, well, everyone thinks I'm the positive guy, you know, and I shouldn't be talking like this. I, I shouldn't be. And it's those shouldn'ts, you know, just forget it. You're just experiencing it. Just, it's it's a, an experience that you're having right now. It's an emotion. And like the wind, it will change. It'll come again. And just talk to people. Just get out there and talk, talk, talk. The um, Jennifer, there's so many things like I, I could talk about as well because I know you're 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 such um, you make such a difference in so many people's lives. And um, can you tell me about um, about about coaching and the difference that now it has made? And I know like the strength. Like I I remember seeing that that post last. Um, last December or so when you when you shared about what happened to Colm and my heart just broke for you it absolutely broke but I just felt such strength when I could see the positivity in just within a month or two coming back into you and I could see that strength and can you tell me about the difference that that type of work has made for you now and the difference that you're making to people yeah and I think when when the curveballs hit there is that fine line that we kind of go you know is it going to come back? Am I going to, I'm going to feel like me again. Um, but the response is always our responsibility. And what do we do next? <clears throat> what do we ne- do next? We can either be, you know, the victim or the victor, you know, we can. Um, so coaching for me, it doesn't, I, you know, I hate even saying that it's a career or it's a job because it's just so much more than that for me, because you know, I get to I get to witness real change for the women that I work with that, you know, where they're making what they're it's really that they're I hold a space for them. They have the realization that they can they have the power to make changes, positive changes in their life, in their work um, and that they get to do it on their terms. And that's the that's the realization. That's that's I say that's the work, Stephen, but it's not, it's not work. It's much more. I'm so passionate about helping women because I see so much of my own um my own challenges around my work. And it's it's it can really be so hard for women to step away from um the trusted corporate role. Um, because there's decisions to be made you know there's this thing that well you know we need to feed our families we can't be feeding our soul as well <laughs> you know why, why would we want to do something that's going to make us happy um, but you know what that's our only job in life is to be happy 
that's our only job as we came onto this earth is to be happy. And there's a beautiful phrase that you used throughout there about just holding space for people because many times the, the strength and the answers are within us. It's just we haven't been held in a way that allows that to, to grow and, uh, and to come out. And sometimes it is just a matter of having that special person in your life to hold that space so that you can grow uh, and be that light that you, you've always meant to shine. The, um, Jen, there's a question I, I ask everyone and um, I really have to, to ask you um, because the, the show is about mindfulness, it's about mindful living. And I think the resilience that you showed throughout your life has showed some amazing ability to, to live life uh, mindfully and, um, and respect those, um, those uncomfortable emotions that have come uh, in the past. So can I ask if, if I say the words mindful living to you, what does that mean in your journey? I think um, mindful living is living intentionally. It's living with understanding why you're doing something um, that's aligned to who you are. Um, and remembering that you have the choice, that the response is inside you, that we always have a choice about what we do. We might not have a choice over the things that happen. And I say they happen for us, not to us. Um, because I have no doubt, Stephen, that I would, I may, I'd, I would not have had the same journey um, without the experiences of Sean and now Colm as well. Um, I have a determination since Colm particularly, um, really around um, supporting people with their mental health. Um, but without the experience of losing Sean, um, I don't know if I would have got on this path as quickly as I did. I'm sure I would have found it. I do believe that. Um, but that taught me about life and it taught me, you know, everybody says, oh, we live once. We only live. Come on, you only live once. You know, we live every day, every single day we get up and we have a shot at this. So why would we not want to be happy? So that's, that, you know, and, and remembering that we get to do things on our terms and with intent. So it's really living intentionally is, you know, is what um, mindful living is for me. Wow. And there's, there's something you're kind of touching on as well. And it's, it's so true when after a bereavement that there can be a guilt about feeling happy again and about that um, we shouldn't move forward and 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 be happy and like I, we're both blessed with an amazing family around us and uh, beautiful children that are so innocent that they've nothing but happiness inside them and like I can see his smiling away there as soon as we mention our children is that like it's it's such a reason just to just to just to smile every day and just get out there and enjoy and it's that innocence and um, I think we all need to maybe maybe bring some of that innocence back into ourselves and know that it's okay to be to be happy and but equally it's okay to have a bad day you know so um absolutely. jen absolutely and um, our loved ones would want us to not smile again they'd want us to smile exactly they'd want us to smile wouldn't they i know they they didn't put be positive in your body for nothing <laughs> no <laughs> they certainly didn't Stephen. i've i've a lot more to do let me tell you a lot more to do but oh. a, a lot done so far 
Jen, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, I'm sure after this, there's lots of people and I'm going to give out, um, because we, we talked about um, about suicide, I'll be giving out uh, numbers and of course, talk to Tom, Pieta House and that afterwards. But many people might want to talk to you and um, if people want to get in contact with you, how is the best way to get in contact with you? Yeah, so they'll find me on, uh, so Big Yal Coaching um, is my business. So Gyal is the Irish word for bright. Uh, you'll, you might you might recognize a little B. The B is very important in there. Um, so they can find me on Facebook, Stephen, LinkedIn, um, Instagram, um, and my website, bgalcoaching.ie. And I will have all of them, uh, those details, on the uh, show notes as always. Jen, I've never wanted to give someone such a big hug uh, uh-huh. after a show. And we haven't seen each other in, oh, Jesus, it's well over a year and a half. Um, yeah. because of because of the restrictions and that but there is a massive hug coming your way thank you so much for being on the show thank you for being a beacon of light for people um to uh, to wonder if they can dig deep and find resilience all they have to do is talk to you jen all they have to <laughs> do is talk to you. so jen thank you once again for being on the mindful living guide you're so welcome thank you Stephen. And there you have our unbelievable Jen Maher. Um, as you can agree, agree, like the the amount of things that she's gone through in her life, and she still finds that positivity inside her. She is a very, very special person. If you have been affected in any way by the conversation that we've had today, on or you need extra support out there. Um, there is many places you can go to like we talked about talk uh, to tom and it's talktotom.ie and there uh, is also pieta house which is throughout ireland now and it's pieta.ie and you'll find all the contacts there i will also leave our numbers and uh, samaritan's number as well on the show notes as well as always uh, to help you if you are not li- you're listening outside ireland and um, the samaritans are uh, global as well and they may help you somewhere but the most important thing that myself and jen always say is talk there is always someone that will listen there is no problem that people cannot listen to so i um i really hope you enjoyed this episode and that it just normalizes the conversation uh we chatted afterwards and uh, just about how people aren't sure how to talk to you sometimes when you've been through a tragedy like this and sometimes it just needs needs a podcast like this or a, a conversation just to start and um hopefully this can be the catalyst uh to to your talk if you're out on your uh darkness into light walk this weekend I wish you the best of luck and uh, thank you for raising awareness for such a special, special cause. Thank you again for taking time to listen. I'm Stephen Downey and this has been The Mindful Living Guide. Mm-hmm.